is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. We're going to sing that one more time, no instruments, one more time, here we go. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Father God, thank you for this wonderful day that we are able to come and freely worship you in your house. Lord, I ask you to be with each and every person here. Please, um, I know a lot of us had really long weeks. Lord, clear our mind of that. Let us be open and open our hearts to Ken's word and our worship today. I know there is someone in here who needs to hear what Ken is going to say, that it is going to touch them, Lord. Please be with each and every one of us, and let us just continue worshiping in your name. broken hearts declare his praise for who can stop the lord For the sins of the world, his blood breaks the 
bit of our Vacation Bible School, as you can see here. We have our VBS coming up this week, July 17th through the 21st. That starts tomorrow, goes through Friday. If you haven't yet registered your kid online, go online. You can register your children for, uh, for VBS this week. And uh, if, uh, if you can't figure that out online, just show up tomorrow. They'll help you out there in the foyer. So it's going to be an exciting week. And uh, Courtney should be coming up here any second to give us an update on, on, uh, on what all is going on there. But we're excited about all that's going to happen here. Uh, you can see we're set for VBS. I don't normally speak between two robots up here. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time that's, uh, that's going to be happening here uh, this week for Vacation Bible School. So would you welcome our fabulous children's ministry director? This is Mike 3 up here, all right? Courtney Hodson. Wow, thank you. Good morning. Um, I just want to thank everybody, first of all, before I say anything, um, all of the people who have had um, a part behind the scenes of VBS before it even starts. We really, truly appreciate all of you uh, bringing in the supplies that we need. That saves us so much running around, and it's just been so nice for that to come in. So thank you for everybody who's been doing that. Um, thank you for the people who have been in prayer over this and who I know will still pray for us every day this coming week. We're super excited. Um, this theme is so cool because... I think today there's so many kids that don't feel like they fit in and they're very insecure and there's a lot of anxiety going crazy in our world. And here this week, they're going to learn how God made them and they are uniquely wired and wonderfully made. And there's no mistakes about them. And so we're really excited about that to share that with these kids. And as of last time we looked, we have about 145 pre-registered, which is a very large number for us. Um, so I know like, Pastor Ken told me, told me last night, strap on my seatbelt, so I might add a helmet. I don't know. But um, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun, and we're super excited. I'm so appreciative. We have about 50 volunteers. Um, I have people who took vacation to come here and serve, so that's awesome. And so just if you keep us in prayer, um, it's going to be so much fun. As you can see, we're just kind of taking over the place with our robots and Hopefully, Pastor Ken won't knock this guy off like he did first hour. So. Anyways, thank you, thank you, and just keep us in prayer and keep all the families that are coming through these doors this week in prayer. We have a lot of kids inviting friends from school, um, a lot of new, new families coming in here, and we're, that's what we're really excited about, to introduce them to Jesus. So thank you, everyone. Let's give her a hand. We appreciate all you do. We... Uh... We thank God for our children's ministry team here at the church. And when I hear one of our uh, uh, children's ministry people took off a week of vacation, I'm, I'm humbled by that. That's, uh, that's just incredible. The, the one girl, she grabbed me out there. She goes, I had a week I had to use. I said, and you, what are you doing with it? She goes, I took it off so I could be at vacation Bible school. I said, you are a real Christian. And I thank God for that. Isn't that wonderful? Let's give God a hand for that type of family of God up here, huh? That's... Uh, it's just wonderful. And then our, uh, ju just what God's been doing here, we're, we're so excited. This week will be full. So uh, I'm just asking God for one of our greatest weeks ever. And then uh, along the lines of children's ministry, we've had one of our great uh, young people been home here. She's been helping us this summer, Priscilla Gonzalez. I want her to come on down. Will you welcome Priscilla Gonzalez to the stage this morning? Great girl. Great girl, all right? Priscilla. Priscilla is the, uh, she, she's a MK, missionary kid, actually missionary, lives in, uh, lives in uh, Ecuador, and we always go down on our missions trips to Ecuador, but she's been a student over at Cedarville University, and she said, hey, I have a few months, could you use me around the church? I said, well, you don't have to ask me twice, get here now, all right? So she came over, and she's been here from May, June, and she is going to be going back to Ecuador on Saturday morning. So could we give her a hand and thank her for her work here at the church, all right? God bless you. And, uh, and she's going to get to go out with a bang because not only does she get to be in Bible school, on Friday night we have here the July Jamboree. No snorkels needed, okay? This will be a dry event, right? It's going to be uh, a dry event. Yeah, it will be a dry event. <laughs> You've got to be careful. It's the modern day. Everything means three things, right? Yeah. It will be a dry event, but it will literally be dry. We're praying for God to 
dry up the field down there, right? And we're just asking him to, uh, to keep the rain away. You know, if we can have four days without rain, this will be called a week in the summer, right? Because I think it's, I haven't seen four days without rain yet. And we're looking forward to what God is going to do. I looked at the forecast. It looks a little, little bit of rain tomorrow. And then we're looking good until Friday night, which means Friday midnight, right? So I want you to pray. And let's just ask God uh, if it be his will that we could have that event this week. We've got the stage out there. Our band is going to be out there. Uh, invite somebody. Take that flyer and put it in the hand of somebody. Just take a step of faith. When you, when you put it in their hands, God does the rest, all right? It's just, it's just simple. Hey, we're having vacation Bible school at the church. We're having this event. Just come on up. This is going to be our version of a block party for the community and all these families that were here for VBS, and it's just going to be a fantastic time. But we do ask you to go online, get your free ticket. You sign up. The ticket will come right back to you on email. It just helps us so we can plan for parking and all that. So that's coming up this Friday. And then in August, we have a, a picnic coming up on August the 20th. This will be on Sunday afternoon over at Peterswood Park. We've reserved a big old pavilion over there. It'll be a fantastic time. And so just mark your calendar for some of these events. This time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. If you're here as our guest, we welcome you to Crossroads. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, please stop by our welcome center. We have a small gift for you. We'd like to just say thank you for coming. And if you're our guest, feel free to let the offering plate pass you by. This is for those that are regular in the grace of giving, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you. Thank you so much for who you are. You're a great God. You're worthy to be praised. Lord, we ask your blessing upon this week, God, as we prepare so many people in this church, 50 people are coming together uh, to, to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to serve the least of these, your children, Lord, to, uh, to look for the children that are coming in and to tell them that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, to tell them that they are made in the image of God, to tell them that Jesus loves them, died on the cross to pay for their sin. God, I ask you now, Lord, to transform families this week. Do your work. Do your power. Use your people, Lord. It's going to be so awesome just to watch what you're going to do this week. I thank you for all that you're doing. God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to give to your name, Lord. Uh, as we give, we realize we're seeing lives impacted all around the globe, here in Finleyville and around the world. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your work. We thank you for how you've blessed us. And now we return a portion to you according to how you've blessed us. In your name we pray. Amen. It's wild. 
tour of Ephesus, I, uh, of Ephesians. You know, we put out book tour Ephesus and had that little uh, postcard that went out, and many of you got that postcard in the mail. It was kind of funny. A few people were wondering, I guess uh, somebody called and said, uh, when are we going to Ephesus? They thought there was actually a tour of Ephesus that, like, when's the, when's the trip? I want to get on a plane. I said, you got to flip it over and read the backside too. So it says book tour. We're taking a book tour of Ephesians. So we're, we're excited about the book of Ephesians. This was a, a letter that was written to the church in Ephesus. And uh, as we study this, I hope that over the next six six or seven weeks here as we look into the book of Ephesians and just see some of the rich. I mean, it's just incredible. He talks so much about who God is. He talks about who you are. And when you start to look at God for who he is, you start to understand who you are. And that, that, this is life transformational because when you understand who you are in, in him and what he has made you to be, it's radical. It will transform your life. I hope that by the end of this study that you will feel more loved by God. Um, I, listen, you are loved by God. You cannot change his love. He loves you 100%. But many times we don't live in the realm of his love. Many times we live like he doesn't love us. We, we just kind of, we get down, we get hurt, we get, there's so many life events that happen to us. And so my prayer is that you'll, you'll understand his love in a more rich, a more powerful way, and that it will be life transformational. Uh, how about for the things that, uh, that God has called you to do? I want you to be more capable of the things that God has called you to do. Uh, sometimes we beat ourselves up and we think that we could not be used by God, that what would God want from us, and, and we start getting down on, on, on who we are. And I want you to be more capable of, the, of doing the things that the Lord wants you to do by the end of our study. I want you to, have a, you know, to, to be able to deal with that sense of inadequacy and, realize, inadequacy and realize who you are. And as you study this book, I want you to understand that not only does it lay a foundation, so... The next couple of weeks, we're laying a foundation of who God is and who you are. And then he gives you some very practical things, like how to improve your marriage. I mean, you know, wouldn't that be great to know, like in the book of Ephesians, how to improve your marriage? You'll jump over to chapter 5. You'll see some very practical steps that will help improve your marriage. So there's going to be a lot of good things here as we study, and I hope that your life will be transformed as we go through this book would you take out your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 1? It will also be on the screen this morning. But Ephesians chapter 1, beginning of verse 1, and we're going to look at, uh, at the opening statements here. Last week we started out and we talked a lot about the background. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus. And last week I gave you a lot of background about Ephesus. You can go online. You can check that out online. Our, our, our services are all online and uh, you can go to the church website and see that. But we talked a lot about last week about this, this huge temple, Diana, that was there, uh, to Diana, to, uh, to Artemis, and, uh, and how these people worshiped these false gods. And it was uh, really a, uh, it was just a, just a whole lot of sin and darkness in this city, a whole lot of witchcraft, a whole lot of things of that nature. And it's in that city that the Apostle Paul comes, and he gives the good news of Jesus, and when he gives the good news of Jesus, it is life transformational. The church is birthed in, in the city. Paul stays about two to three years there, and it's in some incredible things that happen. But Paul, an apostle, so we said Paul, he, uh, when you see the word apostle, say, you say, okay, that means one sent. So he was sent from God, uh, of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus. So we understand in Ephesus, it was in that city, uh, it would be like me saying to the saints in, in Finleyville or to the saints in, in Pittsburgh. You could take that word saint out and replace it with this, to God's holy people, okay? To God's holy people in Ephesus, to God's holy people in Pittsburgh, all right? So, so to the saints uh, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, this, there's a phrase here that's really powerful. He says, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, and he's talking about the church. He's calling on the holy people of God, the faithful in Christ. So what he's talking about here, there's a little phrase here, and I'm going to give you a couple thoughts this morning, two powerful thoughts that can really transform your life. Number one is this, that you are in Christ. Now, that's the first point on the back of your notes there that I have fill in the blank. You are in Christ uh, 15 times we see this phrase in the book of Ephesians, 15 times. So when you see a phrase like that 15 times, it means pay attention. It means that uh, there's something here. You want to catch this. You don't want to miss this. 
So he says that you are in Christ, and he's talking here to the, uh, to, to the church in Ephesus. He says, the faithful in Christ. Now, I want to I show you what, what that means, to be in Christ. Um, I have a, a piece of paper here, and I'm going to let this piece of paper represent your life. And here's what happens as you get going in life. You start, you start going along, and, uh, and all of a sudden, you, you have an event that happens. Maybe, maybe you're in high school or something, and something at a pretty young age ha- happens in your life, and, and boy, all of a sudden, your life takes a crinkle, doesn't it? You, you, got, you, got, a little bit of, you got a little bit of damage. And uh, things are hard, hard and it's painful. It might have been something, might have been one of your own decisions. It might have been a decision that somebody else made. But you, you've got some issues that you have to deal with there, right? And then, uh, then uh, you get a little bit older. Maybe it's your college age. You picked up a few habits. You did a few things. And, okay, now, man, I, I'm, start, I'm starting to, my life isn't going the way I planned it to be. And then maybe you got out there and you got married and you start kind of moving along life and raising kids and, you, you, you thought you were going to do, life was going to be a little bit different. And pretty soon we look at our life and we say, man, I've got a whole lot going on here. I've got a whole lot of damage going on and I, and I don't feel too good about my life. I don't feel too good about the direction of my life. I don't feel too good about what's happening. And so what, what you do is you look at life and you start to get down. You start to think, man, I'm no good. I have no purpose. I have no meaning. But yet God says that, that, that he sees you in Christ. So this is going to be a theme we're going to see, and we're going to keep coming back to that phrase, in Christ. So in Christ means this, that God sees you as this. God sees your life like this. It's clean. It's before him. There's no crinkles. There's no rips all over the page. This is how God sees you. But you say, well, I've got, I've got this to deal with, and I've got these things. You don't understand. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know where I've been, and I have my past. And, but let me tell you what, God has your future. You may have a past, but God has your future, and you have this present to deal with, and you're saying, boy, I've got it. How do I get from this to this? Well, let me show you what, the, what, the, what, what Jesus sees you as, what God the Father. He sees you as in Christ. He sees you as in Christ. You are before the Father. This is how your Father in heaven sees you because of who Jesus is. You are in Christ. So he's given us this powerful phrase, in Christ. And we're going to keep coming back to that over and over. But remember who you are. Because when we start to understand, we understand who God is, then we really begin to understand who we are. And as we put these two into proper perspective, man, our life becomes radical. You become a transformed person because you understand what God, how God sees you. You're his child. And that's how, how he sees you in Christ. Uh, he goes on further to say here, he says, uh, uh, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Grace and peace. Um, I've named my, uh, uh, my daughter is named after that word grace. All right? uh, the word grace in, uh, in the original language in Greek is, is the word charis. So uh, if you really want to make my daughter mad, you just go up and you call her, uh, you call her Grace. So I say, hey, Grace, how you doing, right? And then I'll have a whole lunch discussion after church because you did that, right? So don't call her Grace, but that's what it means. And Grace, it means uh, it is God's unmerited favor. I, I named my other daughter, uh, my, my second daughter, I named her jo- uh, Kara. And that's from the Greek word that means for joy. Then we named her middle name Joy. So we call her Joy Joy. And uh, that, that's always fun to do, you know. And so she, she doesn't like that either. But if you see her and you call her Joy Joy, I'll have another ugly dinner. So it won't be very good, all right? So grace and peace. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because the, the, when, when a typical letter would come, if somebody would write a letter in Greek in those days, it would be very much, there was, there was a standard way you would open the letter. And so the standard was you would identify yourself, and then you would identify the recipient, and then you would have a greeting, so the common greeting would be to start with a word that sounded very much like grace. Like charis, it sounded like this. It was Corinne. And as you started that, word, started that letter with Corinne, it meant to rejoice or it meant greeting. So it was very common for people to say, I can, sending to you in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, greetings. And it would be that word Corinne. So what he did was he, he, he does a little play on words here. It was, it's a very common. Like sometimes people will sign a letter, yours truly, 
or you may sign it yours in Christ, all right? So that's what he was doing. He was, he was taking a little play on words and he was catching their attention and he says, but what he's, he's doing here, he has opened up six of his letters like this. There are six other times in the New Testament he's writing to the churches, he writes it with the exact phrasing, with the exact wording, uh, the, the same Greek words in the same order, everything. A total of 13 times he addresses the churches in similar fashion. So if you see this over and over, this is not some statement to just fluff off and say, well, I wonder why, you know, Paul just, that's just his opening remarks. Let's get to the meat of the, of the letter, right? No, he's saying grace. I want to greet you with the grace of God, God's unmerited favor. And, and now check this out. He's, when you're giving a greeting like that, he's saying, may your life be filled with God's grace. May your life be filled with his unmerited favor and his peace. Uh, That's the kind of life we really all want. To you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this next verse is really exciting here because he's kind of wrapping up his salutation, but he's starting to get into some big blessings here. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing. So that means when you hear the heavenly realms, just think basically it's Jesus and he's blessing you. It's not just things in heaven. It's everywhere. And he is blessing you. There's a spiritual blessing he has with every spiritual blessing. He has blessed you. I want you to think this morning about who would uh, who'd be the richest man in the world. Uh, do you ever think about that from time to time? Who's the richest person in the world right now? Uh, I looked it up on, uh, on Time magazine. They did an article earlier this year on the richest person in the world. And uh, they, they listed the top 10 richest people. But I'll give you the top four. Because uh, the one in the number four spot I thought would have been number one. And that's Warren Buffett. All right? So Warren Buffett is only the fourth richest man in the world. I feel bad. Only number four, right? And the number three richest, most richest person in the world is Jeff Bezos. He's the man who owns Amazon.com. Every one of you are making him rich. You, you think that Prime account is helping him, right? I mean, helping you, right? It's helping him. So you just keep clicking away. He's laughing all the way to the bank. Uh, Jeff Bezos is the third richest man. Another fellow by the name of uh, uh, Amancio Ortega. He's a Spanish billionaire. And then the number one most richest man in the world right now, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, number one richest man in the world. And you can say thank you for those Windows 10 updates all night long, right? Uh, uh, Bill Gates is the richest man in the world. $86.6 billion in 2017. $86.6 billion. He has a foundation that he and his wife are trying to uh, eradicate AIDS and, uh, and malaria, uh, HIV and malaria. And uh, their, their, oper- their goal is to give away 95% of their wealth. Uh, $86.6 billion, richest man in the world. Now, I want you to think about that because here's a guy that has $86.6 billion, and yet in light of all that, may I share with you that you are richer than Bill Gates. If you are in Christ, you are richer than Bill Gates because you have, according to this verse here, according to what the Apostle Paul said, he says that you have been blessed uh, and, and in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God has given you everything you need. So the second thought today is this, is that everything that you need is found in Christ. Everything that you need is found in Christ Jesus. Um, now, now I, I mean, you are richer than Bill Gates. Now, I, as I said earlier today in the first service, I said, you know, that'd be, that'd be kind of cool. You know, I wouldn't mind a billion or two of that, you know. 86 billion, that's kind of cool. Couldn't you handle a billion or even a million? That'd be kind of nice. But God says, you, you have way more. Could you imagine if God were to give you blessings that only lasted your lifetime? You would be so disappointed when you got to the end of your life. If your only blessing were $86.6 billion, which that's a lot of money, But if that were your only blessing, was $86.6 billion, when you get to the end of your life, do you realize how empty that would be? Because whenever you die, there's no U-Haul going to be behind your hearse. There's no no, 
no, no bank account in heaven that you're going to be, that this is going to, you know, you're not going to be able to say, well, I got, uh, you know, the golden Mac card up here, you know. Uh, that, there's none of that. These things are short-lived. Now, God does bless us in this time, and, uh, and, uh, and we use it for his honor and glory, but his blessings exceed way more than the things that are temporary. His blessings are, are eternal. I, I want you to consider this morning, there was a lady named Hetty Green. And Hetty Green, in, uh, in the year 1916, she died. She left an estate valued at over $100 million. In 1916, $100 million, that's quite an accomplishment. But during her life, every morning, she ate cold oatmeal. And people could not understand. Why would she eat cold oatmeal? Why? They didn't, under, they didn't understand. They thought she liked it cold. And it wasn't because she liked it cold. It's because she was too cheap to, to buy the, the oil to fire up the, the stove to, uh, to heat up her oatmeal. Uh, she also had a son that had a leg issue. And this son with a leg issue, she, she had... Now remember, she's died and there's $100 million in the bank. Her son had an issue with his leg and she kept looking for a free, free clinic. She didn't want to pay a doctor, so she kept looking for a free clinic. It took her so long to find a free clinic that her son ended up having the leg amputated. But she got it done for free. Uh, see, during her life, she, she had all these wonderful things and she had all this money, but she didn't tap into it. She didn't tap into the blessings that she had. She didn't tap into the resources. And I want to encourage you this morning to tap into the resources that we have in Christ Jesus. You have every spiritual blessing. And yet many times we start to live our life like we're not in Christ. Uh, many times we're, we're out here and we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to pull this together. And God says, you are in Christ so what we've got to do is we've got to come back into Christ. We've got to realize, hey, I am in him. I don't, I don't have to be out here struggling. He's giving me every spiritual blessing. It all belongs to him. And so what, what that means is this. It means that everything you need is found in Jesus. If you go over to 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3, you would find that he, uh, the apostle Paul, uh, I'm sorry, that over in 2 Peter verse um, 1 verse 3, he says that every spiritual blessing is given to us. Uh, God has given us everything that we need. Everything that you need, he has given to you. And so I'm going to give you just this morning a few thoughts about what do we need. What are a few things that you need? So when we're thinking of the blessings of God, what are a few things that we need? Number one, we need forgiveness. That's our greatest issue. We need forgiveness. When Jesus was on the cross, he accomplished this for us. He, uh, on the cross, the last word he said in John chapter 19, he says, it is finished. And then he gives up the ghost and he dies. It says that he, he hung his head and he died. His last words, and you know, for a long time I thought, well, that just means that it's over. He's accomplished it. He, he's, he's done his mission. He, he died on the cross and he's dying. No, 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 that word is much deeper. It's the word paid in full. It's tetelestai. Uh, you would get it on a document. If, if you paid off your mortgage, they'd stamp that right across there. I long for that day to get a mortgage that has that paid, off, paid in full on there, you know? I think as you're paying that, you're like, man, I got another 10 years, another five years. And you think about that. Well, Jesus came and he ransomed your soul. The ransom for your soul was Jesus Christ. You see, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have the sin issue. There's none righteous. No, not one. No, there's nobody that has enough righteousness that God would say, okay, come on in based upon your goodness. So he took care of it in the person of Jesus. And he sends Jesus. He dies on the cross, paid in full. Your sin has been paid in full. So what could be greater than that? $86 billion, you can't buy that. $86 billion wouldn't buy your way into heaven. Only Jesus did that, and he did that for you. So every blessing is found in him. Number two, we need instruction. We need instruction. You know, you, uh, God has saved you, and he's given you a reason and a purpose to live, but yet God has not just sent you out there without, without giving you some help. Uh, 2 Timothy, this verse from 2 Timothy, verse three, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 
all scriptures. That means everything in this word is inspired by God. It means God breathed, all right? It's the very breath of God. So when you have this, you get to take this home. You get to read through this. You get to find nuggets of truth that he's given to you. This book here is from the very breath of God. It's like getting that close and feeling the steam come out. That's who the, who, what this book is. It is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Now, there it is. You want to know what is true? You want to know how to live? You want to know what's right and what's wrong in your life? Here it is. Go right into God's Word. And as you open up God's Word, you will find He's going to direct you, He's going to guide you, and He's going to show you the right from the wrong things in life. Uh, It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He, he uses it to equip his people to do the work that he's called you to do. Now, I want you to think about this. It, you know, everything you need in life, you'll be able to find it in, in this book. You won't be able to go in here and find out, okay, I'm supposed to marry Rhonda Miles, okay? You won't find the chapter that tells you who you're going to marry, um, I think if I would have read that as a young boy, I'd have been scared to death. You know, if you knew, knew ahead of time who you're going to marry, know, know all that stuff. Um, but uh, look, it gave me the principles. In this book are the principles. So what I did was I came along and I said, okay, God, I'm seeking a person to marry. So as a young man, I was, uh, I was a youth pastor here at the church and I had, you know, had 50 teenagers with me everywhere I went. And that's not exactly the greatest way to go pick up a, pick up a date, is it? You know? Hey, how would you like to go on a date with me and 50 teenagers, you know? It wasn't like the the prime time guy you wanted to be around uh, as far as a date. So I I lived according to God's God's principles. Uh, God's principles, one of his big principles is that you get around other believers, that you're encouraged by other believers, that that you're connecting with the family of God. So what did I do? I, I came in. Not only was I running a youth group, I could have went many places to find a wife, but I came to church. And so we had a young adult gathering, and I went into the young adult gathering, and I'm seeking God, and all of a sudden, you know, my wife walks in the door. And, uh, you know, her name was Rhonda Miles at that point. So I, I look up, and I'm like, okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll obey whatever you say here, God, you know. And, uh, and I, I clearly knew God's will, and she didn't understand God's will at that point, you know. Um, but eventually she repented, and everything's okay, you know. She got right with God, and, uh, and she understood, and now... Now we live happily ever after. But, but, but you see, if you take the principles of God, take his word, take his principles, he has given you instruction. Uh, we, we, need, we need forgiveness. He's forgiven us. He didn't just leave you out there on your own. He's given you instruction. God gave me a godly wife. He gave me the instruction. He didn't tell me that I'd marry Rhonda Miles. And, you know, tomorrow we celebrate 24 years of marriage. Can you believe that? Can you give my wife a hand? Give my wife a hand, you know? And we are going to be celebrating it with gadgets and gizmos up here. It's going to be great, you know. But uh, we're, we're so excited about what God's doing in our life and just how he's transforming. He's transformed us. I mean, uh, I, I hope I'm a much better husband today than I was 24 years ago because I've been trying to learn from God, and he gave me an instruction manual. And so you're single. You're looking for, for that. The, the, the handwriting's not on the wall. God will never tell you exactly who to marry, but he's given you this opportunity to see that, and you go and you take that in life. How about for your marriage? You are struggling with some marriage things. I told you in a little bit, a few weeks, we're going to talk about how to help your marriage. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. There's going to be some basic principles that are going to revolutionize your marriage. Uh, the Bible has all kind of good help for marriage. Uh, how about your business? You want to learn how to have a better business? It's all in here. Now, it doesn't give you the exact details, but it does give you the principles. And you take this principle, so God has given us instruction. And then, not only do we need instruction, but, um, but we, we also need motivation. And God has given us motivation and power. Not only has he given us and told us what to do, not only has he empowered us to do it, but he's also given us the motivation to do it. Over in 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, Philippians 2.13, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For it is God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
So who is it that creates this desire? It is God. When God is working in you. So in Christ, remember, you are in Christ. In Christ, he is giving you the desire. So let's be honest. Sometimes we don't have the desire. Sometimes we don't want to do what God wants us to do. We keep coming back and we understand who I am. I am in Christ. So in Christ, I have the power. In Christ, I have the desire. He transforms us and gives us what we need. Um, So how does this work? If you have every blessing from God, you have every blessing from God. He's given you, he's blessed you. And our goal today, I want you to be overwhelmed by the blessings of God. Be overwhelmed by his grace. Understand that, that there's 86 billion plus blessings from God for you. And it's amazing. How does it work? Well, there's a couple principles that I want you to understand about how it works. Number one, we get what we need. We get what we need, not necessarily what we want. You know, you're, you're praying and you're asking God for, for things and you're asking God for relationships, for finances, for a career, uh, for, for people issues. You've got all these things that you're dealing with. And so we're, we're here and we're working through this thing called life and God says, I'm going to give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. It's like a father. You know when a father has a, has a child and his child asks for ice cream and you give him ice cream at, at, you know, after lunch? If the kid asks for ice cream in an hour again, do you give him more ice cream? And if he asks for it a third or fourth time that day, do you give it to him again? Oh, yeah, it shuts him up, right? <laughs> you can shut up any kid with ice cream. And then you just wind him up. You know, shut him up, then wind him up, right? But that is not a good parent. A good parent doesn't give their kid ice cream all day long. Uh, I think we gave our kid ice cream once a day. Uh, you know, probably not the best practice, but we did it once a day. If you gave your kid ice cream constantly and cake and candies and cookies and no vegetables, no proteins, but your kid asked for it, right? Your kid wants it. Your kid desires it. Well, a good parent wouldn't do that. And God says, that's how he is as our father. He loves you and he can see more than you can see. So you get what you need, not necessarily what you want. Over in um, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 says that basically that discipline is rarely enjoyable at the time. You know, when you, were, when you were a kid and your parent disciplined you, there's some things that you learned from your parents' disciplining of you that, that have made you the person you are today. And you're very thankful for some of that today. But when you were eight years old and you couldn't have fun like the other kids that were having fun, you were mad at your parents, weren't you? And that's what happens with us with God. God says, no, you're my child. I'm going to take care of you. It is in my time, my blessing, I will take care of you. So, number one, we get what we need. Uh, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Paul begged God over and over and over. He said, Lord, would you take this thorn away from me? He had three seasons of prayer where he asked God, please take this from me. And, uh, and God wouldn't take the, the affliction from him. Paul says, finally, I understand the reason for that thorn was so that I wouldn't be boastful. Paul was obviously a pretty, pretty boastful fellow at times. Could you imagine? He wrote 13 letters to the church. Look at, look at what God did all through his life. I mean, he's an incredible guy. He probably could have had a lot of pride. And God said, all right, you're my servant. You're going to deal with this. And we don't know what that thorn was. But we see he talks about it. He says, man, I, I just wish God would remove this issue from me. Number two, God is seldom early, never late. He's given you every blessing. He's given you every blessing, but his delivery system is not your delivery system. He's not working on Amazon Prime where you get it in 24 hours if you, if you order before 6 o'clock today. Uh, his, his delivery system is so different. He's seldom early, never late. Uh, in business, they have a principle. It's called the just-in-time delivery system. And that's what, that's what he's done, what, what God does with us. He delivers in just-in-time. He gives you the grace that you need when you need it. I don't, don't look for tomorrow's grace today. You know, you're, you're looking out there tomorrow and you're saying, wow, there's, uh, there's challenges and you start to worry, you start to fret, you start to fear about tomorrow. And God says, I've given you enough strength. I've given you enough grace for today. And we get worried about tomorrow. Have you noticed that most of the things that you worry about don't ever happen? I mean, there's a whole lot of things you start worrying, you start fretting over, and it never happens. And God says, look, I don't want you worrying about 
about tomorrow. I want you to be focused today, and I've given you the grace for today. Let me give you an example. I get to stand by the bedside quite often of people for their last breath. I've been beside a number of our people as they took their last breath on earth and woke up in heaven. And every time I walk away from there, I'm touched, I'm amazed by it. It's a glorious, precious moment. And then this thing happens in my mind. I say, what will that be like when I take my last breath? And I start saying, well, how will it feel? How, will I be jittery? What will I be like? And then I start to realize that that person that I was just with that took their last breath, God gave them the grace for that moment. I've been with some people in our church that have gone on to be with Jesus, and it's been absolutely glorious. I mean, countenances, just, just some incredible things. And I tell you, whenever I get there, but right now I don't need that grace. I'm not even looking for that grace right now, right? God's got other things for me right now. And when that time comes, guess what? God will give you the grace that you need. And so there are other issues in my life. Uh, you know, what would happen if I had this disease or this ailment? Let's not go to the what ifs. This is where I'm at today. And God has given me the grace to live and to honor and to serve him today because I'm in Christ. You see, when I'm walking like I'm not in Christ, this is how I really, worry will take and just really crumple this up. But you're in Christ. You don't, you don't have to go through all that worry. You have, you have something much deeper than the things of this earth. It's like manna. You know, in the Old Testament, the, God told the, the people to go out and he would provide food. So they're, they're, they were in their tents. They're out in the desert. And they go outside in the morning and there was food. This manna came from heaven. Manna means what is it? They didn't even know what it is. But it came from heaven. It came from God. And it's, it's, it's pretty exciting because he told them, he says, don't go taking more than one day's worth of food. The only day they could do that was the day before Sabbath so they could rest on the Sabbath. So he says, don't go taking more than what you need. I just want you to store up what you need. And that's a real picture for us because God provides for us that way all the time. And he gives grace like that as well. Thirdly, God seldom uses the same method twice. God rarely uses the same method twice. It, it's rare that he will use, use the same method twice. And let me give you an example. Um, the Jericho wall. In the Old Testament, he told them to walk around the Jericho wall seven times, seven times a day. They were going to praise, and it's, it's like a big praise fest. So they're having a praise fest around the enemy camp, and these walls are these gigantic walls. And so they're marching around there seven times, and they're singing, and they're praising God, and the walls come tumbling down. The next city that they want to conquer... God didn't tell them to march around the walls. God gave them something different. God said, I want you to do something different. God is doing new things every day. God rarely uses the same thing. This is one of the hard things sometimes that we get hung up on because we want God to do it our way. We want it to be like it was yesterday. And may I say this, God isn't working the same. We see it in Scripture. There's things that he did in the Old Testament, things he did in the early church. And God is still the same. He never changes. His character never changes. But the methods that he uses are radically different. When I was a kid, I rode a bus to church. If we took a bus out to pick up kids today, nobody would get on it. It'd have to be air-conditioned and have PlayStations everywhere, right? It's a whole different ballgame. God is using a different, different things all the time. And we must embrace him, not our methods. And, and, and part of that, now, now the reason, the depth of where I'm going here is I want you to consider a life that's been changed by God. Because sometimes we'll look at people and we'll say, God worked over here in this guy's life. Why isn't he doing that in my life? And so I want the same grace that he's given him. I want, I want him to do it in the same way. And the greatest illustration that comes to my mind is a, is a man who was uh, really one of my heroes here in the church. His name was Ron Gamender. Ron Gamender was a real hero. His, uh, his son, Brian, is here today. His, uh, his daughter, Michelle, was here. 
grandkids, part of the church, and uh, just, just uh, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. And from what I understand, uh, back in the, must have been in the 70s, they, this church ran those buses, and they, they went down, they, they lived in a local neighborhood near the church, and, uh, and they picked up little Brian and little Michelle, and they started bringing them to church. And, uh, and, and pretty soon mom came, and then pretty soon dad came. And as Ronnie used to tell us, I could still see him sitting in the office down here, and I could just see him telling me, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember what that preacher said, but I ran down the altar. And it was so exciting to hear how he got saved. And from what I understand, he had a pretty radical transformation. He, he had a, a, a history of alcoholism and things that were just plaguing his life. And, and their, their life, Sharon could sit, you sit down and Sharon would explain to you that their life was in shambles. And God reached in and saved them and their life changed. And they had a pretty, pretty instant change. Pretty, I think a little bumpy for a little bit. And then, wow, God just kept and changing, and changing, and changing. And Ronnie went on to be with the Lord here a number of years ago. He's in heaven but, man, I'll never forget, he was, he was like one of those heroes. He was a patriarch. He was one of those guys that, man, the light just switched and it went off. But yet you'll see other people. They'll come and they'll give their life to Christ and they'll struggle with addictions for years, for 10, 12, 15 years. There's other people that will come in and they'll, maybe it's in the middle of a service all of a sudden. They've given their life to Christ and then a year or two later, in the middle of the service, God speaks to them and, and they walk out of here conquering an addiction for life. And so what we try to do, we try to say everybody wants the wrong amender story. But not everybody has the wrong amender story. But you still have the same blessings as God and he dispenses it all in his time and all in his glory and we can't understand that. So I want you to understand who he is. Everything you need is in Christ. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you've not started that relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to start that relationship with Christ. Everything that you need is in Christ. We need forgiveness. He's given it to you. We need instruction. He's given it to you. We need motivation. We need power. He's given it to you. Would you call upon him now? If you've not opened your heart and started that relationship with Christ, would you just respond to him this morning and just pray something like this? Dear God, I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. You came for me. And I accept you right now this morning. I make this personal. And for others, maybe you have been not realizing who you are. You've been walking away from Christ. You have been, you, you've been covered in worry, covered in problems. And may I invite you this morning to remember who you are and be overwhelmed and to tap into his blessings and trust him in his timing. Father God, I pray you'll be with our people as we respond to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing a closing song. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so. Let's respond to our great God.
guys have a wonderful week, and we'll see you back next Sunday.